great to be with you today. I uh, hope you've enjoyed our service so far. Great time of worship we just had now. Can you believe that after eight months, as Pastor Gabby said earlier, we are finally in a place where we can meet in person? Obviously not today, but next Sunday, December the 6th, we are back to in-person uh, gatherings at church. And I want to invite you, friends and your family, to come along. It's going to be an amazing morning as we come back to church. And then I also want to invite you to December the 20th, which is our Christmas celebration. We're going to sing carols. We're going to have some amazing food. I'm going to bring a great message. It is going to be an amazing time. So don't forget those two days, December 6th, next Sunday, and then December 20th, our Christmas celebration service. Well, can you believe that we are at the end of November? I can't believe that we are just about to move into the month of December. The, the year has flown. You know the old saying? Time flies when you're in lockdown. Uh, I mean, when you're having fun. Time flies. Yeah, this year has flown. And what a year it's been. I think it's fair to say that 2020 is going to be a year that goes down into the history books. It's going to be a year that we never forget. But, you know, as we come towards this, this end of the year, we also come to this great time of the year that Gavin's already spoken about, of Christmas. Christmas. And I don't know about, know about you, but, but I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year, Christmas time. And Christmas functions, work breakups, buying presents for friends and family, um, organizing our food we're going to eat on Christmas Day or, or Christmas Eve, and, and doing those types of things. It's just a great time of the year. Planning holidays, as the carol says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. You know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I love it so, so much. But all these things which are great, they're okay, do them, I encourage you to do them. All these things can sometimes be a distraction, can sometimes divert our focus and our eyes from Jesus. And so over these next coming weeks, as I share in our Christmas Unwrapped series, I want us to bring our focus back to Jesus, to make sure that we are looking in the right place, that we're not putting him in the background, but he's actually in the foreground of our lives. And so we're going to look at Jesus, reveal Jesus. He's the gift we celebrate at this time of the year. And he's where our focus should be. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. Wow, what a year 2020 has been. I thank you as we come into this season of Christmas, Lord, that we set aside any distractions that might distract us from you, Lord. I pray that we would see you as the gift that has been given to us and that we would just be so in awe and wonder and gratitude and appreciation for you coming at this season of Christmas. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, come on, everyone said, amen. Well, we're going to get straight into scripture today. And I've got a bit of a long passage to read to you. It's from Matthew 1, and we're going to read verses 1 to 17. So please bear with me. Let's go. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, 
whose mother was Rahab. Boab was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amon. Amon was the father of Josiah. We're getting there, guys. We're getting there. Josiah was the father of Jehoiachin. Jehoiachin and his brothers born at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the Babylon exile, Jehoiachin was the father of uh, Shetizel. Um, oh, I don't know what that, how to pronounce that one. He was the father of Jerobabel. Jerobabel was the father of Abuad. Abuad was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zodak. Zodak was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eliezer. Eliezer was the father of Mathan. Here we go. Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus who was called the Messiah. All those listed above included 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Hey, can we just pause and give me a clap for the moment for going through all those names? Like I got a few wrong, but I think I did pretty well. You know, hopefully not too many of you fell asleep when I was reading out all those names. Hopefully you haven't gone over to the online news or you're checking out some other YouTube channel right now. You're still with me. You're still with me. Come on, nudge that person next to you. Hey, stay with us. Stay with us right now. I'm not sure about you, but when I come to those kind of readings in my daily Bible reading plan, I kind of like speed read them. And when I say speed read, I kind of mean skip, skip over them because, you know, they can be a bit boring. All these names can't pronounce them properly. But if you're looking for some baby names, man, there's some doozies in there. I reckon Jehoiachin, Zerubbabel, Rehoboam, man, those are strong names. Come on. I, I didn't name my kids after those, but you can name your kids after them, okay? So good. Most of us, we're not really into genealogies, and that's what that was. That was a genealogy a list of the descent uh, or the ancestors of Jesus Christ. We're not really into genealogies. Maybe we can chase ourselves back to a great-grandfather or maybe even a great-great-grandfather by name. But past that, we probably don't know much. And there's websites that we can now go to, find out all about our past, our ancestors. And I don't know about you, but I've got enough relatives already. So, you know, I'm not going on to those websites. And also, I'm a bit worried about what I might find, you know, like I might find that there's like a serial murder in the past or maybe a bank robber. And I'm like, no, 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 it's cool. I'm, I'm good with knowing the people that I know at the moment. It makes me ask this question, though. Why does Matthew, why does he list these 42 names in the family tree of Jesus? Today, we're going to take a little bit of time just to unpack this in the remaining time that we have. I'm not going to talk for long today, but just the remaining time that we have, look at why did uh, Matthew speak about all these people that preceded Jesus. Let me share some thoughts about, you, about this uh, with you today. The number one thought is Christianity is built around a person, not principles. Christianity is built around a person, not principles. Most stories start with once upon a time, 
Yeah, most stories start like that, fairy tales, fables, once upon a time, or they start off with something like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Come on, any Star Wars fans here today? A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But Matthew says, this is the genealogy, the line of descent of Jesus Christ. Something really important for us to know here. Jesus Christ isn't just made up in the Bible. He existed in history. He's not a metaphor. He was real. He is real. This all really happened. Christ is rooted in history. He is part of history. Christianity is rooted in history. At the very core of Christianity, it's not a set of principles that Jesus taught to us, but something that Jesus was going to do for us. And man, when I think about that, I get so, so excited. Yes, great principles, but the best thing, the more important thing that Jesus ever did was something that he did for us. Most religions, when you peel back the layers, when you peel back all the things, are built on teachings and principles that would have been true whether or not the religious founder ever lived or not. The religious leader was just a mouthpiece for those teachings, you know, the principles of Buddhism don't depend on Buddha being an actual person. Those principles, Buddhists believe, undergird, undergird the universe. And Buddha was just a mouthpiece to bring that revelation to men. Islam is similar. It is a pattern of how Allah wants mankind to live. And Muhammad was his prophet. He was a mouthpiece for that teaching. 1 Corinthians 2, 1-2, Paul says this, And I... When I came to you, talking about the church in Corinth, he says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom. For I decided to show nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Christianity is not like other religions. Christianity is different. It depends on its foundations. Its whole basis is on a set of events that actually took place in time and history. Because the core of Christianity is not what Jesus taught us to do, but what Jesus did for us. And we've just spent four weeks in a series looking at the gospel, the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you missed that series, I want to encourage you to get onto our podcast, jump onto our YouTube church channel, look up Elevation, Melbourne, uh, Elevation Church Melbourne West on YouTube. Watch those messages again. It was a great series. But you see, without the birth, the sinless life, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christianity doesn't stand. The gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, are not just telling you what you should do, but they're telling you what God has done. And it's good news. The birth of the Son of God in this world is good news. It's an announcement. It is God proclaiming you don't save yourself. God has come to save you. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, you don't save yourself, God saves you. And yes, we just finished four weeks on the gospel and talking about Jesus, but really, and you might be saying, what, we're going to be spending more time talking about Jesus. Well, I just want to let you know the whole Bible, its whole purpose is to point us to Jesus. So yeah, we're going to be talking more about Jesus because really, it's all about Jesus. Number one, Christianity is built around a person not principles. Number two, take your notes. I'm going to ask you next time I see you, I'm going to ask you, hey, what were the notes from last week? <laughs> Just joking. Number two, God always has a master plan. God always has a master plan. If you play chess, 
you'll know that it's a simple enough game to learn, but it's a much more difficult game to master. You can learn the pieces, but to really master it, it is a difficult game. In fact, an American mathematician, his name was Claude Shannon, calculated that there are 10 to the power of 120 possible moves in chess. Let me say that again. 10 to the power of 120 possible moves in chess. Let me give you some perspective of what that number means. The observable universe they have calculated, there is 10 to the power of 80 atoms in the observable universe. So there is a power of 40 greater chess moves. 2,000 years before Jesus was born, God made a promise to Abraham that from his lineage, God would bring about the salvation of the world. And part of God's master plan, there were all these prophecies over the decades and the centuries about the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Genesis 12, 3, all the way back, back when Jesus will come from the line of Abraham. Isaiah 7, 14, Jesus will be, be, will be born of a virgin. Micah 5, 3, Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. Hosea 11, 1, Jesus will be called out of Egypt. Jeremiah 23, 5, Jesus will be from the lineage of David. Psalm 21, 15, Isaiah 53, 10 and 11, Jesus will live a perfect life and die for our sins. The genealogy of Jesus shows that over hundreds of years, over thousands of years, God had a master plan for Jesus. And we'll delve into the Christmas story in more detail next week. But when we meet Mary and Joseph, they live in Nazareth. But biblical prophecy says that Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. It's a town that is 120 kilometers away from Nazareth. So God prompts the Roman Empire to conduct a census to, which forces Joseph back to his hometown of, guess what? Joseph's hometown was Bethlehem. So this census forces Joseph back to his hometown of Bethlehem so that a 700-year-old prophecy from the Old Testament can be fulfilled that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. I think to myself sometimes, why didn't God just, you know, wake up Joseph one night? Hey, hey, Joe, man, I'm going to let you know your son is going to be born. He needs to be born in Bethlehem. So can you just do me a favor? Get your wife, Mary. Make that trip to Bethlehem. Thanks, mate. Catch you later. Why didn't God just do that? You know, send an angel to speak to Joseph. I'll tell you why. Because God demonstrates his ability to move powerful nations around like chess pieces to accomplish his purposes in Jesus. He moves nations like chess pieces, like pawns, to accomplish his master plan and his purposes in Jesus. God uprooted the whole world to move two people 120 kilometers. And it sounds crazy, it sounds extravagant, but it's actually an incredible encouragement for us today. See, if God can move nations to perform His will, don't you think He can move circumstances for us? If He can move the whole entire Roman Empire, don't you think He can manage to move some circumstances for your life to bring breakthrough healing, restoration of relationships, finances, provision. Don't you think God can move in those circumstances? Number one, Christianity is built around a person, not principles. Number two, God is, always has a master plan. And then thirdly and finally, God is working in all things, both good 
and bad. In that genealogy that Matthew describes in Matthew 1, verses 1 to 17, there's some, there's some questionable characters. There's some questionable characters in Jesus' lineage. People before him, you know, it mentions some of these people. There's a mention of a person called Tamar. And she's a lady and she has a husband and that husband dies. And traditions of the day were that if there was another brother who was unwed, that brother would be given to the widow. And so this brother, he, this second brother is given to Tamar as a husband. Well, lo and behold, tragedy strikes him and he also dies. She doesn't have any children by either of these men. So then there's a younger, a much younger brother. He's not yet of age to be married off. And so the father, his name is Judah, promises to give that young son to Tamar when he gets of age. Well, that young boy, he gets of age, becomes a young man, and he's not given to Tamar as her husband. And so Tamar is desperate for a child. And uh, these are kind of like a little bit R-rated, these next sections that I'm going to talk about. But Tamar is so desperate for a son that what she does is she dresses up as a prostitute and she goes to the route that her father-in-law frequents. And what she does is that when she sees her father-in-law come along one day, she kind of makes herself available. And long story short, I won't go into all the details, Tamar ends up pregnant with her father-in-law's child. Crazy, yeah? Crazy. There's another person that's mentioned there, a person called Rahab. Another lady, she gets introduced to us in Joshua 2 when Joshua sends some spies into the land of Canaan. And these spies are, are, are spotted and so they go and they hide in this lady Rahab's house. And in fact, Rahab is a, a prostitute as well. And the place that they hid was not just her home, it was actually her place of business. It was most likely her brothel. So there's some you know, interesting characters in Jesus' lineage. There's another person in case, you know, if you're saying, hey, this is a bit sexist, just picking out ladies. Well, I'll pick out a man for us. So we make this all even. There's another guy, David. I think we all know him. His name was King David. Matthew's genealogy states this. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. And then it says this, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. David sees this woman Bathsheba lusts after her so much he takes her and sleeps with her and then discovers that she is now pregnant. In discovering that, he offers Uriah the opportunity to come back from battle to spend some time with his wife because he hopes that if he comes back and, you know, they uh, sleep together or cover up the, the pregnancy, he can kind of pass it off as if it's Uriah's son. Uriah is an upstanding man. He says, no, I can't leave my brothers on the front line when we are in battle, my king. I must stay out in battle. So what does King David do? He says, well, if you want to stay in battle, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you in the area of battle where you will be killed by the enemy. And that's what he does. He sends him out into the front line, the front, front line. And Uriah is killed because David decides to hide this pregnancy because he slept with another man's wife. Scandalous. Scandalous. Here's the thing that just those three examples, and there's other examples of some dodgy characters in the lineage of Jesus. Here's something so, so encouraging for us in learning this. The Christmas message is for all of us who have a past. Let me say it again. The Christian message is for all of us who have a past. No matter what your past is, what you've done, 
what, what you thought, an action you did, whatever it was, whatever your past was, let me tell you this. You may think that having a past would mean that, G, that God wants nothing to do with you, but you are wrong. See, God's not so much concerned about your past. He's more concerned about your future. The genealogy of Jesus, God wasn't hung up or worried or stressed about the people in Jesus' lineage. He was more focused on the fact that one day from these people, the Messiah, the promised one, the one foretold about was going to be born. And there's a message for you. There's a message for me. There's a message for us, church, in this. These names were included in the line that leads to Jesus so that you can know that your name can be included in the line that leads from Jesus. Come on, someone give me an amen this morning. Those names led to Jesus. Jesus came. Then we say, Jesus, I give my life to you. And now our name leads from Jesus. So, so exciting. As I start to finish today, someone needs to hear this. Someone needs to hear this. No matter who you are, what you've done, there's room for you and God's family. There's room for you. God's family and God's church here at Elevation, there's room for you. You may feel like an outcast. Can I tell you, you're not. God has brought you close to Him. You think to yourself, you might think that you're worthless. Let me remind you, God has purchased you with the most precious substance in the world. And I'm not talking about gold or diamonds or anything like that. I'm talking about the precious blood of Jesus was purchased for you. You are e you are invaluable. You, you are so worth worth. You are so worth. You, are so, you have so much worth. And you could think that God's plans for you are over. Let me tell you, the genealogy of Matthew, of Jesus, shows that they have just begun God's plans for you. Today, as we begin to enter this Christmas season, let's keep our eyes focused on God's master plan. His master plan it was always about Jesus and always about you. Always about Jesus and always about you. See, those names at the start of Matthew, God knew them. God was interested in their life. God just saw them. God was with them. His presence was beside them. And can I tell you something? God knows you. God is interested in you. His presence wants to be around you. He wants to be involved in your day-to-day -day life, relationships, your career, your family. He wants to be involved in your walk with Him. He wants to be involved in every single area of your life, holistically involved in your life. And the busyness of the end of the year and all its activities and presents and food and parties and holidays and functions, all great things, but they can distract us from this great truth. God loved you so much. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus died for you and He rose again. And He wants a relationship with you. And the question is, do you want a relationship with Jesus? And maybe today you're watching this and you're, you've had a time in the past where you gave your life to Jesus and you're following after God and you love God and you love Jesus. I just want to ask you that question again. Do you want a deeper relationship with Jesus? Can I tell you right now, God wants to go deeper in his relationship with you than you currently have. So much deeper. Maybe you're here today and you wouldn't say that you're a church person. This might be the first time you've ever heard a message like this, seen a, a talk like this before. And you don't know about much about God. Can I just let you know? 
God wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He, he wants you to know Him. He wants a relationship with you. I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity very shortly to make that decision. Hey, this time of the year, let's not leave Jesus out of Christmas. Let's not put Him in the background. Let's make sure He's in the foreground of our lives. It's not just, what about, it's not just about what Jesus taught us. It's about what He did for us. Come on, close your eyes. Let's pray.